So we're going to continue the series. Um, it's called Devoted this week. It's really about uh, Christian community. And I'm excited to bring the message uh, tonight. I, I truly believe that uh, if you'll lock in for these next, I'm hoping to be 25 min- minutes. Alec always laughs at me because when I say 25, it's like 31 and a half. But if you lock in for the next 25 minutes, I, I really believe that this message could, could shift the rest of your life. Like this message is something that I wish I would have understood at 21. I wish I would have understood this at 20. I wish I would have, God would have revealed this to me earlier because it could have saved me from a lot of trouble. It could have, I could have experienced so much more of God's presence and his, just his goodness if I would have maybe saw this in scripture. And so just lock in for the next 25 minutes and, and let's see what God does, not just tonight, but moving forward. And so I'm a big NBA fan. I'm a big basketball fan. Any basketball fans in the house? Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a list of some, just some pictures of some NBA players. Um, and you p- might not recognize any of them, but um, this is a guy. His name's Anderson Verjao. He's not in the league anymore. Raise your hand if you know who Anderson Verjao is. Okay, all right, one of my basketball fans. Yep. Okay, next, next guy. That's Anderson Verjao. This is Zildrunas Elgaskis, Okay. So Zildrunas Elgaskis, does he look like a basketball player? Okay, he's a, he's a beast, though. He's pretty good. He's not in the NBA anymore, but he used to play. Next picture, that's Alex Caruso. He's got traded to the Bulls. But anyway, next picture, that's J.R. Smith. If you guys, you guys know J.R. Smith, raise your hand if you know J.R. Smith. Okay, I got like nine basketball fans in the house tonight. Next picture, that's Tristan Thompson. Okay, he's dating a Kardashian. Is he still dating a Kardashian or no? Is he? Yeah. It's complicated. It's complicated. Yeah. Which is it Chloe? Is he dating Chloe or kind of? Okay. Next up, this is uh, Matthew Delavadova. Okay, Matthew Delavadova. And you might be thinking, why the heck are you throwing all these pictures of these basketball players who nobody knows who they are? And this is kind of the common thread, is that they these guys. No, go over to the next picture. They all played LeBron James. And LeBron took all of these guys either to an NBA Finals or to an NBA Championship. And although, although you may not have recognized those guys, most, I, gar- I almost guarantee you all of you know who LeBron James is or at least have heard who LeBron James is. And what LeBron James is known for in the NBA is he's known for raising the standard or he's known for making other players better. And so if you come on LeBron James's team and you are, let's say, a C-level player, he's, because he's on the team, you automatically become B plus, A minus. So just the nature of who he is and his skill set raises the standard. It ra- like the high tide raises all boats, that type of, type of thing. And so tonight, I want to talk to you about how we need to be someone who makes the people in your life better. You want to be someone right? Not who's liked, not who's cool, not who's rich. You want to be someone who makes the people in your life better. You want to be someone that when you walk in a room, people are happy. You want to be someone that when people are in trouble, they, they, they instinctually know that they can call a friend because not because of anything other than, than they know that you are connected to Jesus, be someone who makes the people in your life better. And so the, the title of my message today is Devoted to Serve My People. 
devoted to serve my people. We're, um, this series is based off of Acts 2, 42 through 47. And so we're going to read that uh, scripture right now. It says, And they devoted the Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is scripture, to the fellowship, which is doing life together, to the breaking of bread, which is communion, which we took tonight, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple and together, together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Here's what I think. Leave that passage up. L- look at that last part. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I believe that ecosystems of health and of kingdom, of true unity, commands, and the Lord recognizes environments in which he trusts the Christians, and then the Lord adds numbers. So many people are trying to get their buildings and churches filled by Facebook ads, Instagram ads. We just need to go on YouTube. We just need to go on TikTok. We, and and what, what, the, what the Acts 2 tells us is if we can get community right, that the Lord will send people because he trusts us. Not that he trusts me or that he trusts Nick or Pastor Dwayne, although he may. It's because the people have understood what unity and love for one another, selfless love for one another, looks like. And when that happens, the Lord adds to the number. Does that make sense? So the, the, kind of the idea is if who wants revival in our generation? Who wants God to pour out his spirit? Do you guys want that? Do you guys want to see c- college campuses? Do you want to see your friends and family? Do you want to see the city of Granville, Hudsonville, Jenison, Wyoming, Kentwood? Do you want to see people hungry for Jesus? Then what this tells us is we need to get unity and community right. We need to learn what being it means biblically to be devoted and live out acts to community. And so as we get into this, I want to pray just before I, I, I keep going. So you guys just pray with me that God would, uh, God would just touch our hearts tonight. So Heavenly Father, I just thank you for loving us. I just, God, you're so good. You're so much better than we could ever imagine, God. And, and, and God, we are uh, we're so short-sighted at times, but God, your spirit, God, rises up and it stirs in us and helps us to see clearly, God, the areas that we're weak. And you're not doing it to make us feel bad. You're doing it to call us higher, God. So whatever it is that buttons you might press on our hearts tonight, God, I just pray that it's a good hurt and that it's a good conviction that we might be people who are full of unity and, 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 and commitment. And God, we might do your will to see your kingdom grow. And God, I just thank you for these young people, God, that you're doing something in this generation that is special, God. And that, God, there is revival. There is uh, an awakening happening in this generation. I just pray, God, that you might find us worthy to send people here, God. And we just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to focus in on verses 44 through 45, so you can go to the next slide. It says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common... And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So last week I talked about how faith in Christ restores our relationship 
with God, and that faith in Christ restores our human relationships. And so we see it in Acts 2 that these people who, it's not like there was the, the, the scripture that were telling, the scriptures weren't telling them to sell everything they had. They had met Jesus and they had encountered the resurrection life of Jesus and the spirit of God. And so the natural response was to sell everything and was to give to any that had need. And so here we are seeing these Christians and they're selling their stuff, living in community, house to house, day by day, going to church together, praying together, reading the scriptures together, taking community together. And the Lord was bringing those that he had called to be saved. He's bringing, it's just like, it is happening, it's revival, it is just life, it is joy, it is peace. It was just an amazing environment that they lived in. And they were devoted to each other. And so what we see here. What we see in Acts 2, 44 through 45, them selling them, you know, their, their possessions and their belongings in order to help other people was we see that they were devoted to serve each other. They were devoted to sacrifice for each other. And they weren't concerned about how the individual was doing. They were concerned by how the collective was doing. And now, I'm not... This is, some of you who are into politics are like, oh, Jake, is, gonna, is he talking about socialism? No, I'm not talking about socialism, okay? I'm talking about, I'm talking about Christians who don't love their own life unto death. I'm talking about people who have seen Jesus, see him lay down everything that he had in heaven, come to earth, and to share it with all of us. And so then he says, wow. Now I say, whoa, I have everything that I need, and now I see others in need, and now I'm going to serve my people. And so as we... As we Go forward in this message, I want to uh, rewind a little bit and just say to challenge you to, that the first step that we see in Acts 2 is that your community, but which I'll define as like a small group of people that are between 4 and 12 people, that your community challenge you to start praying together, taking communion together, worshiping together, reading the scriptures together, if you want to fast together. You, we as American Christians need to revisit the spiritual disciplines as a community. We need to revisit spiritual disciplines that get us focused on Christ and revolving our attention on Christ. And so as as we move forward, though, I want to just tell you something, that God has a purpose for you. Like, he has a plan for your life. Here's the thing about his plan. It might not be what you think it is. It's not a destination that... He's trying to get you to. It's not like, oh, he's got a plan for your life. It's the CEO of a business. It's, uh, he's got a plan for your life. It's to be a mom of four kids. He's got a plan for your life. You're supposed to go into the Army or the Navy. Or, you know, we always think in terms of destination, significance, income, and all of these things. That's not the purpose that God has for your life. That may be what you eventually do, but that's not God's purpose. You see, God's purpose for your life is more about the person you're becoming. It's the person he's made you to be, not the destination that you want to get to for who knows what reasons, insecurities, wanting to be significant. Who knows what, why we want to do what we want to do. So if God's purpose for you is a person he wants you to become, then what we'll talk about tonight is that you cannot reach your purpose until you have your people. But who are your people? <laughs> there are two groups of people that Jesus has for you. 
There's the local church, and then there's a small group of people, a smaller group of people. The two groups of people that God is calling in, in, in requiring Christians to devote and commit themselves to are two groups of people. One is a local church, and the second is a smaller group of people that you intimately know. And so the local church, uh, 1 Peter 5 says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. Gosh, that does not sound fun. There's, there's got to be a more exciting verse that I can share to a bunch of young adults. You guys, aren't, you guys aren't saying amen to that one, are you? You're like, revival, yeah, submit to elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Now, I understand that local churches, especially in West Michigan, are very flawed. All churches are very flawed. But going to a local church is not about it being perfect. It's about the people that are there. And I would, I would challenge everyone here that if you don't have a local church, then we want to invite you to be part of our church at Resurrection Life Church. Or maybe you go to another church and you're, you're attending Thursday nights just because your church doesn't have a young adult group. I would just really encourage you to be planted. I'd really encourage you to, to dig and get roots at a local church because God has, has ordained these types of gatherings and he, he blesses them. We're so imperfect, but at the same time, access isn't a church. Like, this isn't church. This is a young adult ministry. Like, the church is a collection of all different ages from all different backgrounds who are serving Jesus and following after Jesus and loving one another. And so I would just challenge you that if you don't have a local church, or maybe you, you're someone who says, I don't need to go to church, I don't need church, like, you know, like all these different ideas that, that float around on Instagram and, and, and all these different social media and social media platforms, I would just really challenge you that it's, it is extremely biblical to submit yourself to a local church. And then the second is committed to, or he's calling you to a, a smaller group of people. In John 17, Jesus' prayer was that it was this my prayer is not for them alone i pray also for those who will believe in me through their message so this is the prayer for us that all of them may be one father just as you are in me and i am in you may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me and so jesus prayed that christians would be one smaller groups of christians would be one just as he and the Father would wa- were one. He was praying that there would be unity and intimacy and closeness and, and drama, not drama, because God didn't have drama with Jesus, but just that we would be in each other's lives and we would wrestle with the difficulties of human relationships. And he's calling us to these two groups of people, and a lot of people either do one or the other. <laughs> That's what I've noticed. Some people are committed to the local church, but they're like, I don't want anyone to know me. I don't want anyone to know my problems. I'm very comfortable in my American bubble, and so just don't touch this. But I'll go to church on Sundays, or I'll go to church on Thursdays, and I will tithe, and I will maybe serve once a month or twice a month, and I will maybe go to an event. But don't ask me to be a part of a Bible study, a prayer group, or a worship group. Don't ask me to be known because I'm very comfortable with checking the box. And then there are other people who are like, you know, I just, I, I actually think the home church is a beautiful movement, but I just laugh at some people who, who maybe are in them, some, not laugh at them, I just, it's just comical, they're like, I just don't do, I just don't do church. You know, I just do my own church. And I go, well, who's like your spiritual authority? Oh, the Holy Spirit. 
He is just our authority. No, he is the authority, right? Like we follow after Jesus, we listen to the Holy Spirit, but like God knows that our hearts are easily deceived. And so when you're only in a group of young people and you call it church, you have no spiritual oversight, no mentorship, none of this stuff, and you're just in this echo chamber where you only ever hear the things that you want to hear, you have none of your faith is truly tested by decades of faithfulness to Jesus. You see, we are able to experience something in a local church to where we have the intimacy of small groups, but then we get to go to Pastor Merle and we marry and we go to Ben Reynolds and Barb Reynolds and we go to we go to Burl Gaylor and all these older Pastor Tom Smith and Skip Longcorn, all these guys that I know personally and, and ask their advice on things and Nick does it. Like we get the benefits of the history that they have with Jesus. But what I find is most people either do local church or they do small groups that they claim to be their local church, which isn't a bad thing. But I think the Bible describes and calls us to be called to two people. And it's called. It's not, it's not interest. Like so many people are looking for the church that like fits them. Don't look for the church that fits you. Look for the church that God's calling you to. Because as soon as that church no longer fits you, you'll just leave to another church that fits you. But if you go to a church that God calls you to and you feel God's leading you, then when it gets tough, you won't leave. So go to the church that God calls you to, not the church that interests you. My, parent, my dad taught me that one. My dad has, has been at this church for over 30 years, and this church is, is an amazing place, but it's imperfect. And, he, and he's told me, he said, Jake, you know, I've had, <laughs> he's like, I've had probably 193 t- reasons or times that I like wanted to leave this church just for different things because of human and people issues and drama and stuff. And he's like, but you know what? I never left because I knew God called me to serve this place. God called me to, to serve the people of Resurrection Life Church. And that's blessed me so much. Like you, you, don't, you don't get that from a, tw- a 31-year-old person in a small group, Right? You get that from somebody who served an imperfect people, but has served a perfect Jesus over 30 years. And I challenge you to to glean from the advice of my dad, which is to not go to a church based on interest, but where God's leading you and where he's calling you to to serve. So next, next point is we cannot reach, I'm sorry, so we're devoted to serve my people. That's what this message is, devoted to serve my people. Next point is we cannot reach the purpose that God has called us to without being devoted to the people God has called us to. And so like I said earlier that your purpose is not a destination, your purpose is a person that God's making you to be. And so what you got to realize is that God has ordained or he's chosen people in your life to help you become the person God wants you to be. And so if you are not in these intimate, close uh, communities that are revolved around Jesus, that you are missing out on a key element, to, to, a key piece of how God wants to form your faith and your future through other people. God will never get you somewhere alone. He'll never get you somewhere solo. God is always looking to include other people that you can trust and build and grow and sharpen yourselves with. He will always include people in your life. And I would argue that he's going to include people that you commit and devote yourself to, not just flaky friendships that are 
here and there, but to real people over long periods of time through tested trials. Here's how I know that this is like so true, guys. Like, I want you to think about this. I was thinking about this in preparation. It, it like blew my mind when I was thinking about this. Are you guys ready? Okay, pull up that next slide. Jesus' purpose could not have been accomplished without his disciples. If anyone could have done it solo, if anyone could have done it on his own, it would have been Jesus. But what's the, when Jesus is ready, to, is ready to go into ministry and to fulfill his purpose to die on the cross, to flip the world upside down and give himself as a ransom for many, what's the first thing he does? He goes and finds his people. He finds his boys. He's like, before I go on my journey, I need my people. And you think, we think we can do it on our own. We think we can do it with surface-level friendships. We think we can do it by coming to church once a week or twice a week. No. You see, it takes people devoted to meeting in small groups of people revolving around Jesus and then gathering in larger groups of people revolving around Jesus so we might be the bride of Christ. We might be the body of Christ. We might be a sweet-smelling aroma. So when people come in, they say, these are a different type of people. They love one another. They're from all different political backgrounds, but yet they can coexist with each other. Oh my gosh, they come from all different ethnicities, and yet they come together, and they hug, and they smile, and they're full of joy, and it's not surface level. It's not because we got hype music. It's because we've met with each other in small groups, and then when we come together, we are full of the community of Jesus, and then we come together, worship, and people look, and they go, there is something different, and it's not hype. It's the life of Jesus flowing through people as we submit ourselves to Christ and to one another. Is this, is this following with you guys? Like I said, I believe this can change your life if we apply it. So Jesus' purpose could not have been accomplished without the disciples. Jesus could, the message of the gospel could not have advanced if Jesus just would have been glorified. The message had to be given to people. And so he gave it to his best friends. And so we don't find our purpose in just having friends, but we find our purpose in how we can serve our closest friends. We don't find it by taking advantage of and using other people's influence to get where we want to go. You see, the, the, the message of Christianity is that we would serve one another selflessly, and in that, Christ is glorified, and then we are built up as the church, as Christ is our foundation, and we live out the Christian story. We live out the life of Jesus, which is service to each other and to our enemies. And so I, have, I had some other stuff. I think I'm going to skip a little bit. I'm going to go to Romans 12.10. I'm going to go to Romans 12.10. I'm going to show a funny clip, and then I'm going to close it out, okay? Show a funny video. I have, to sh- I have to show it. So Romans 12.10 says this. Be devoted to one another in love and outdo one another in showing honor. I love this picture. I love this picture. So we're devoted to the local church and how we can serve our local church. We're devoted to our small group of people that we're committed to and we serve them. We don't just meet, we serve. 
outdo one another. The only thing, like literally I was reading this verse and I was like, I just thought of a clip from The Office. Like it's literally the first thing. You know it's bad. You know you watch too much of The Office when you're reading the Bible and then an office clip like pops in your head. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's this clip right here. That, that I have a little surprise for you. Let me guess, you ate the bagel I gave you and loved it. Yes. <laughs> And I wanted to return the favor. I was polishing my loafers and I happened to look over and noticed that your briefcase was a little worse for the wear. So, a little elbow grease and she's polished right up back to her former glory. Oh, Feel it at against that. your cheek. I will. You give me a gift, bam. Thank you, note. You invite me somewhere, pow, RSVP. You do me a favor, wham, favor returned. Do not test my politeness. Let me get that door for you. Oh, there we go. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I got it for you. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Thanks. You know, here's a healthy fitness tip. If you clench your buttocks together while walking, you can really take the pressure off your knees. Is that right? Observe. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> right? That really works. Yeah, feel free to use that yeah. anytime. Okay. Hey, oh, hold on a second. Do not walk around with your jacket, uh, cattywampus. And that needs oh. to be straight as an arrow. Thank you very much. <laughs> Oh boy. Okay. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. Okay, welcome. Have a seat. Allow ah, me. Have Thanks. a seat yourself. You know what? I am going to preemptively change the batteries in your wireless mouse. Not necessary. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Outdo one another in showing honor. Obviously, that's a ridiculous clip, but it's what popped in my head, so I wanted to show it. <laughs> So it gives this picture of, as, as Christ-centered community, it, not that it's a competition. I'm an athlete, so I'm always like thinking of things through competition. I'm like, I'm going to outdo everyone else in my community of showing honor. I'm going to outdo, outdo everyone, not selfishly or, or for selfish motives, but just like it's kind of like a mentality. It's a game. It's like how fun it is to be in this relationship with other Christians where I get to like bless them, and then they go and they return the favor, not because we're one-upping each other, but just because like we love each other. And in the midst of outdoing, showing honor to each other, we build a trust and a relationship so when difficulties do come, we have all this equity, this like relational equity builds up so that we can have the difficult conversations. It's because we're constantly centering ourselves on Christ in the spiritual disciplines. And then we're devoted to serving our people. We're devoted to serving one another. And when we do that, Christ ultimately is glorified. He is, he, is, he is glorified through our service to one another. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes as we, as we close out? In, a, in preparation for tonight, we are praying. And I just felt the Lord speak something to my heart. And if this relates to you, I just... Just, just identify with it and, and, and maybe come talk to me afterwards. But I, I just really sensed that this week, God had really, really met someone outside of a church service. That somebody was desperate to, like, have a connection with God. And, like, he met you outside of this place. And you, because of that experience that you had, crying out to God and feeling like he responded, you showed up tonight. And I just wanted to, to, to throw that out there and just to say, like, if that's you, God gave me a glimpse of that, and he is radically in love with you, and he is so desperately wanting you to go all in in following Jesus. So don't wait. 
Don't test it out. Just go all in. God is faithful. He loves you unconditionally. He sent his only son to die on a cross for you and to raise back to life so that you can have a brand new life. And so as we, as we kind of close out here, I just wanted to, to read something. It says, Jesus came, originally, Jesus came to a culture that was religious. They had knowledge of God. They had family that talked about God. They had rituals and gatherings that revolved around God. Yet, the Bible describes that these people were blind and that they needed to be saved. These, people's, these people didn't need rituals and gatherings. They needed Jesus. And the same is true for you. You need Jesus. You don't need a Christian culture. You don't need church services. You need the person of Jesus to stand in your place and to make you alive again by forgiving your sin and giving you his spirit. And if you've never done that, I want to give you an opportunity tonight just to respond by raising your hand on the count of three. By raising your hand, you're just identifying yourself with saying, well, I might have grow up, grown up in Christian culture, but I never, I never have, have given my life to the person of Jesus. If that's you on the count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise it up. Yeah, I see that hand. That's amazing. You guys, let's just pray all together if you just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me, for sending Jesus in my place. God, I give my life to you. And from this day forward, I will follow Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much. And Brian's going to come up and give you guys some instructions as we close.